0: Just going to very quickly, we're going to read back through a few verses. We're going to wrap up this kind of little first chunk of this second chapter. The Bible says, uh, verse 1, chapter 2 For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted. Being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father and of Christ. In whom are hid all of the treasure all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Let us pray. God, we love you. We thank you for yet another day, another opportunity to be in your house. God, we thank you for your wonderful hand of protection upon each and every soul here this morning. God, we pray for those that are hurting. Pray for those that are lost. Specifically this morning, we pray for Brother Eddie. We pray that you'd help and bless him. God, we pray for this service. I pray that our hearts would be open to hearing your word, and I pray, God, that the fruit would come from this word to this morning. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We had considered last week the Paul's concern for this church in Colossae, and he, he, as I shared with you, desired a strong relationship for that church through unification, or the comfort of Christ, through unification in love, and through understanding of Christ. And so, as the scripture goes on, it says there in verse four, "And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, for though I be absent." in the flesh yet am I with you in the spirit joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ he desired a strong relationship for this church but next he desires spiritual maturity for the church that's his desire that was Paul's what he's saying here he's saying in verse 4 he says in this I say lest any man should beguile you with enticing words he's saying believe what I've just said believe what I've just told you I've just shared with you the truth As I'm saying, I'm praying earnestly for you that your hearts will be drawn and knit together in love, that you'll uh, grow in understanding of Christ, that you'll grow in the knowledge of him. Believe what I say, because there's some that are going to be coming. They're going to have enticing words to draw you away from that truth. One of the greatest issues and one of the greatest uh, uh, monumental uh, catastrophes facing the church today is the fact that there is a lack of spiritual maturity in the church. There's a lack in, of spiritual maturity in leaders and pastors, teachers, and deacons. There's a lack of spiritual maturity in church people. Just people that would come in, they they don't have that spiritual maturity. I think about Riley there, and he's uh, even as he's drinking his milk, I can't live off of that. That will not sustain me anymore. I like beans and taters. Now, he does too, believe you. That boy eats. He likes to eat. But he's got to have that milk. That's vital to his growth. Now, I like milk. I have a glass of whole milk every night, ice cold before I go to bed. Love that. But I can't live on milk alone. My body has grown to the point where it desires more. If you could, I would, I would just go and I would have burgers and steaks and french fries and All the good stuff that I like every day, every meal, because that's what my body likes. But more than anything, the nutrients found in that food is what I need. But in churches today, I'm afraid that there are churches that have been going at it for 20, 30, 40 years. They're still wanting the milk. They're still drinking the milk. They haven't got past that point where they can have any more. They're babes in Christ because they're not growing in a spiritual nature. They're not maturing in a spiritual nature. And I believe a lot of this comes from enticing words. Here's a different way we can do it. Here's a different way we can look at it. Here's a different way we can, we can go after it. And that's okay. We talked about tradition beforehand. It's okay to step back and say, God, am I doing something just because of tradition? Am I doing something just because mom and dad said, this is how I should do it? Am I doing something just because this is the, the practice in Baptist churches? I believe that's why the, the non-denominational Uh, churches have came up so frequently in the past few years. They've gotten to the point, they just don't trust the denominations anymore because this church, well, they would only do it this way because they were this denomination or they'd only do it this way because they were this denomination. And please don't get me wrong. I believe strongly in tradition. I think if you don't have tradition, you'll never have any structure. But I'm afraid some people will cling to tradition to a point where God will stop moving amongst their ranks in their church. Church, the little church I grew up in, God was trying everything he could to grow that church. And I don't remember it. I've just heard the stories. God was doing everything he could to grow that church. He was sending people. that was up in Sandy Mush. It was up kind of away from, from from people. But that community was drawing together. People in the community coming. People from outside of the community were coming. I mean, it was really growing. I had a godly pastor there that was leading and, and good people and leadership. There were good deacons in the church. But then things started to seep in and, and people started to get bitter about this fact that, well, we've had church in this building for all these years. I don't know that we want to change. I don't know what we want to move. I'm not bad-mouthing them this morning. I'm just saying, you go there right now and you'll see the fruits that were bore of that resistance to what God was trying to do 20 years ago. There, The fact is, is that if we we can ourselves choose to stop maturing, God's trying to send, God's trying to do, God's trying to bless. We can cut that off. We have to be careful. Shelby and I were talking this morning, Brittany, ain't it amazing we have the power in ourselves that we can stop God moving in our life? That's amazing. And it's scary. Because I can, if I choose to, I can just sit on, rest on my laurels and sit back and I'll just just let ease on through life. And I'm actually stopping and slowing down the progress that God's trying to give me in my life. I imagine you could do that with your children. I don't know yet, but I think I'm learning. Riley starts to pull up now. Every time, I, if, if he started to pull up, every time if I just set him back down, set him back down, set him back down, I wonder if he'd ever really be able to get to the point where he could learn to walk like he needs to. Or when he did get to that point, is he going to have the balance and the strength that he needs to be able to walk? I don't know. But I imagine that me making him resist from doing what is natural for him to grow, I'm sure that 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 could be devastating to his actual growth in, in a few areas. As they get older, I imagine that you can probably hinder them there too. I don't want them to do this with their life. I don't want them to go this direction in their life. You stay on top of that, you can hinder them from growing. I know that. I've seen that. The reality is, is that we all, each and every one, have a path to grow in. We all need to be growing spiritually. We all need to be pulling up and walking and doing and learning and growing and eating more of the meat and trying to grow in God's word, so that corporately, when those enticing words come, when somebody comes in and offers to us this answer to fix all of our problems, we know that it's of the world. I'm afraid that's what happened in a lot of churches. And I believe that's what Paul's saying here. There's going to be some people come. They're going to tell you some good things. They're going to tickle your ears and make you feel good. But they're not looking out for you. They just have enticing words. And like that verse says, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you. You know what that means? That means to deceive. It means to deceive. It's dangerous that people would want to deceive. Like that scripture said, we've got to be careful. Somebody sounds like they have authority. Somebody sounds like they know what they're talking about. Somebody's confident. Somebody's charismatic about scripture. But they have internal agendas. They have internal mindsets. They have internal things about them that are contrary to scripture. That's those enticing words. Part of spiritual maturity maturity means withstanding, enticing words. Now, mountain people are just different. And I say that because I'm mountain people. I am. Been that way for my whole life. Everybody going back in my family, you can find, they're mountain people. We're just different. People move into the communities. It takes a little while to trust people. I talk to people all the time that move in here from other places and they're just like I just don't my neighbors are just they're, they'll not they'll they'll wave they'll smile I don't think well yeah we don't have any northerners in here northerners don't do that all of our neighbors are from up north they don't smile they don't wave one of them's like Richard Petty son he sees me he is full speed ahead to get to his house he don't even want to stop and talk to me they're just different people at least we'll smile and wave a little bit We'll talk, but it takes a while for me to trust somebody. That's just how it is. And the, the old timers were tenfold. The other day they were talking about, my, my uncle asked me if I'd been up this road up in Sandy Mush, near where I, some of my family lived, and I said, if my last name on, ain't on that road sign, I don't go up there. Because, you know, there's just, it just, even, even though my family's from some of these areas, I just, I'm not, I, until they get to know me, I'm not welcomed in. We ought to be more cautious. I'm afraid we, we with the world, with people of the world, we see people that ain't from around here. We see Northerners. We see Californians, and I, we be better be careful with some of them. But we see these people, and we are so hesitant to even let them in. We are so hesitant to even talk to them, just as a culture around here. But you know what? With a church, somebody comes in waving a Bible. They got a hanky stuck in their pocket. They got their tie on. Driving their, driving their Buick, we'll let them right in. We will roll the red carpet out up behind the pulpit for people like that. That's just how, for some reason, church people are. We trust people that sound like we do. We trust people that look like we do. we got to be careful because there are wolves in sheep's clothing. There are people that say they're of God and they're not. They have enticing words. I, I tell you, it's a shame. People come in and their idea of of, of being part of a church is just telling the church how to operate, telling things how, how this is going to go, how that's going to go. We've got to be careful of this kind of stuff. It can walk through the door. We're more hesitant of people we don't know in the world. We ought to take a second and step back and, and try to not be rude to them, but just try to make sure we're trusting the right people that walk through the door, that look and sound and act just like us. Those enticing words, those are dangerous things. People are there to beguile us. There are people out here who want to deceive us. They want us to follow what they're saying. They want us to think what we're saying. They want us to think what we're thinking. People ask me, they say, well, you're, you're a Baptist, but all the, the there's these issues, XYZ with Baptist. Look at this Baptist that did wrong. Look at this Baptist that did wrong. A friend of mine that's not a Baptist, when uh, the uh, president or whatever he was with uh, Liberty University, when he got in trouble recently, he said, how can you still be a Baptist? I don't follow that man. I'll be one till I die. I may excommunicate and disconnect from everyone, everyone else out there because I don't agree with them. But that's my personal convictions. I follow Christ. I don't follow that person's enticing words. I follow Christ. But I tell you what, what's sad. People fall, and you see how many people did follow them. How many people truly are deceived. And Paul is saying here, spiritual maturity, it means we need to withstand enticing words. It goes on in verse number five and it says, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Spiritual maturity is withstanding enticing words, but it's also understanding corporate independence. I believe strongly in corporate independence for the church. I think having a a papal, popal system is one of the most ungodly things out there. I think that even churches, and I believe this, that even, even in churches like ours, there are men that are held up to a standard above what they ever should be. The preacher and the pastor is called an under shepherd for a reason. Under Christ. Under subjection to his leadership under subjection to his word, under the guidance of his Holy Spirit, under shepherd. Well, we've got these systems where we lift these men up, and this isn't necessarily what he's talking about, but Paul is saying here, he says, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet I'm with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order. Paul was thankful for the way this church at Colossians was carrying itself while he was away. There were some of them that needed him there holding his hand. You know what, church, we are going to have to have corporate independence and on our own decide, you know what, we're going to stand together, we're going to unify together, we're going to stand up together, and we're going to serve together, and we don't need uh, this person that's, we don't have to have this person come by and hold our hands to get us back on track. We can do it together if we just seek God, if we just let him lead, if we just look up to him, if we just follow his word, we will be corporately independent and 100% into subjection of what his word says, is that we're following him, we're letting him lead, we're going behind him, we're stepping out of the way. Paul was joyed when he looked at, when he says, beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He wasn't there with them. I can't remember if it was Colossae or Laodicea that he had never visited, but, but either way, he wasn't with them they had corporate independence spiritual maturity means withstanding enticing words and it means understanding corporate independence as a church i don't have to have the pope tell me how to operate i don't have to have leader of this board this group this association tell me how to operate we've got to understand and cling to the fact that as a church if we want to survive we're here to serve God in this community in these four walls we will welcome people in. And we. And I'm not bad-mouthing people. I'm not out badmouthing associations. I'm not bad groups. I'm just saying there's a lot of people that lean on somebody else for guidance. There's a lot of people that lean on someone else for their answer, someone else for what they say. Let's pray that God has the right person behind the pulpit. Let's pray that God has the right people in the right, right places. Let's pray that God has the right order set up here and that we're open to that. If God God tells me to go on, I hope and pray that I will say, all right, I'll get out of the way. Because I think me staying, when God's telling me to go somewhere else, or get out of the way, is me holding up God. That destroys and destructs and hinders corporate independence for this church. We've got to understand that. Because you know what? I want Christ to look at this church and say, you know what? Look at that. I want him to be joyed in the steadfastness of Laurel Chapel. I want him to be be joyed in in the order of Laurel Chapel, what we do. I want him to find joy in that. I want him to be proud of it. That's part of spiritual maturity It's corporate independence. And then understanding also spiritual support. Yet I'm with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order. You know what Paul's saying there? I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. My heart's with you. Although it shouldn't be my responsibility to tell Big Laurel how to operate, Arrington Branch how to operate, XYZ how to operate. That shouldn't be one one person's responsibility other than than the, the people in leadership roles and the church themselves to make those decisions. I ought to offer spiritual support to them. Hey, I'm happy to see what God's doing there. I'm happy to see what God's doing there. You know, there's some communities and I've been in it. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. I've heard it. I've watched it happen. We're in the same zip code as a church and it's almost like I'm against them. They're down the road. They're pulling members from us. I've heard that kind of stuff. That church down the road, we're going to have to find a way to keep people from passing our church to go down there. Somebody has that kind of attitude and that spirit about it. I'd say there's a pretty good reason why people are passing the church to begin with. I want to offer my spiritual support to other places. I want to be joyful about what's going on. And that's what Paul is saying, is that he was thankful, he was happy, he was joyful to see how things were being conducted there and to see their steadfastness in the faith of Christ. I want that to be said about us as a church. And I want to find that joy and that happiness and that support spiritually and I want to give that to churches in our community, churches in our area, those that are trying to serve Christ we've got to spiritually support them, we've got to pray for them I believe we do we've seen the strong relationship and the spiritual maturity of this Colossian church but then finally we'll see the established faith of this Colossian church goes on in verse number Seven, it says, well, verse number six, excuse me. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Paul is saying, you're doing a good job. I'm seeing it. I'm praying for you. My heart's with you. I love you. But don't forget, serve him. These are the keys to a successful church. the Established faith that you find right here. So walk ye in him. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. The first key to a successful church is to walk in him. Well, let's go further. The first key to a successful church, a successful home, successful marriage, Successful, successful friendship, I'm saying that word too much. The key to success in any area of your life is first and foremost to walk in him. If you know him and you've got him, walk in him. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. He's saying, I know you know him. I know you've, you've, you've met him. Walk in him. I've learned that recently in my life. Stressful about things. All kinds of stuff going on. I realized I was straight. I thought about, man, it seemed like mid-90s, early 2000s, there, were a footprint, there was a footprints in the sand picture hung up on every wall in every church, every house, every basement. I mean, there was a footprints in the sand picture hung up on everything. And I thought about that. I thought, man, I'm straying away. Here I am. I always just looked at it and thought, man, that is just the most church thing to do. Hang up that picture. But I think about it now. I'm thinking, man, I'm straying away here. I'm getting, getting farther and farther and away. And like that, that picture says, that poster, however, whatever form you saw it in, might have been on a floppy disk, whatever form it was in. Those footprints in the sand, where there was just one set of footprints, that it says that's when he was carrying you. Man, I have made tracks going the complete other direction. I've made a mess of things in my life. I've got myself so far away. Paul's saying you're doing a good job, but you've received Christ. You know him. You know what he can do. You know his power. Walk in him. Right. And there I am. Lord, I'm way over here. Out in left field. I've got to start walking in you again. You know what? The beautiful thing about it is he's over there. It's because I've come over here, but he comes to me. I feel like sometimes, God, I've got you off course. But he's here for me. Walk in him. He'll come to you. That's how a church will succeed is walking in him. It goes on and it says rooted and built up in him. Keys to successful churches to walk in him and to grow in him. Rooted and built up in him. God can send, he can send, 50 people here and we have people we have to open the windows for people to be able to hear that'd be great but you know what I'd rather have this group of people wanting here wanting to worship here wanting to serve here wanting to grow than 50,000 people that just came just to hear something to feel good about themselves that's not what it's about walk in him and then grow in him I promise you Growing in, growing in him is a byproduct of walking in him. When you live your life closer to him, when you live your life in prayer, when you live your life in this book, it'll start as a byproduct. You'll start growing in him. There's coming a day, Riley, he won't want that milk anymore. And he's gonna be eating the grown up. Well, he's already kind of eating the grown up food, but he's gonna have his little cheeseburger there. Small fry. A little high C, had one of those yesterday. It was still good. He's going to have that one day. And he's going to be growing. It's going to be beautiful to see. People, I've heard people say, if you're not growing, you're dying. You're always dying. You're always dying. Every day. Every second of every day, you're closer to dying. But you can sure be growing in the Lord. I can't truly... I, now, I can grow... I can grow this way. I can grow. I ain't going to grow this way anymore, I don't think. I can grow physically. I think I can grow emotionally. I think I can grow on this earth in, in, a, in an emotional and a mental manner. I think I can make myself better on this earth, but true growth doesn't come from anything besides growing in him. People die. Some of the brightest minds this world have, has ever seen reject God and they die Every bit of work they've ever done been nullified. Albert Einstein didn't believe, I think he didn't believe in in there was a God at all, or, or maybe there was a God, but he didn't care. I don't know what he believed. He didn't believe in God. All the things he understood, all the things he knew, all the things he shared, all the things he taught that are still being taught today, the moment he died. If he didn't make that right with Christ, look what he turned and faced these people that accomplish all this stuff on this earth, that moment you die, all that growth that we think we have on this earth goes away. Grow in him. That's the only true growth in this world. It goes on and it says, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. Growing in him. It says, as ye have been taught, walk in him, grow in him, Remember him as ye have been taught. One of the best books I've read, they made a movie about it and it was awful, but the best book i ever read, The Revenant, is the, the book. It's the story of the mountain man, Hugh Glass. And it's a gruesome story. In the 1820s, he was a trapper out west, and they were in, I think, South Dakota or North Dakota or something. And uh, he was attacked by a mama grizzly bear. Run up on two cubs and was attacked by a mama grizzly bear. And the story goes that he was just completely—I mean, his body was mangled, disfigured. You know, I mean, just to the point. I mean, he was just—they left him for dead. And a man that was with him, they threw him in a hole, put a little bit of dirt over him because they were afraid some Indians were coming to kill him. They threw him in a hole, put some dirt over on him, over him. And that man that was with him, his name was John Fitzgerald. He stole Hugh Glass, he stole Hugh Glass's favorite rifle. And as Hugh Glass laid there to die, like I said, this is, a, this is a tall tale from years ago, but I think there's a good application. As he laid there to die, it angered him that John Fitzgerald stole his rifle. And he just got motivation from that, and he just wasn't going to die. He settled, I, you know what? I'm going to find him, and I'm going to kill him. And he survived that attack after being left for dead. For nearly two years, He chased John Fitzgerald across the plains of the West. The whole time while he was traveling, he would start to think, I'm going to find him and I'm going to kill him and I'm going to get my rifle back. All he cared about was his rifle. I guess he would forgot he'd been attacked by a grizzly bear. All he could think about is I want my rifle back. But every time, and you'll find that in that book, every time he would think about, I'm going to go kill this man. He would remember his mom reading the Bible to him. There's a specific psalm it mentions in there, but it's basically I think it was about vengeance and revenge. And he kept remembering, he kept remembering him, Christ, that he had heard about. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to find him. I'm going to hurt him. And he kept remembering his little mother reading that Bible to him, singing spiritual songs to him. And he finally got to him after chasing him for two years. Now, this was the 1820s. The West had not hardly at, at all been developed at this time. For two years, he chased him. He finally got him, found him in a, in a fort somewhere. And he had the chance to kill him. But he remembered him. He remembered those words. His mother read those songs that she sang. Like I said the other day, I was so angry. I was just, I don't know what I was going to do. We get irrational when we get angry, don't we? But thankfully I've got him there and I can remember him. Rooted and built up in him established in the face as ye have been taught. You can go from wanting to scalp somebody to loving them. That's only by walking in him. That's only by growing in him. And that's only by remembering him. That's what Paul's telling this church. Remember him. And finally, and I'm done, he says, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Live a thankful life. Walk in him, grow in him, remember him, and live a thankful life. All these things are byproducts of walking in him. Those are the keys to a successful church, a successful marriage, a successful home, those are the keys right there you start to walk in him you will begin to grow in him when you're tempted with the flesh spiritually mature you'll be able to remember him. be able to think about what you've been taught be able to think about what you've known and then you, you can truly live thankful Lord look at what you saved me from you ever wanted something so much I mean I, I had a a moment this morning actually saw something on Facebook somebody I knew and I thought one time in my life I thought man I wanted that so much I wanted that relationship so much I wanted that life so much and I realized man look at what God blessed me with had I went down that path with my life where would I be now makes me thankful for God's provision in my life. You say, well, I've already this is already messed up. This has already went wrong. This has already happened. It's okay. God's got another plan. There's another door if you allow him to open it for you. Live thankful in him. Grow in him. Remember him. And walk in him. That's the keys to successful parts in your life. I wonder if anyone would have anything before we dismiss.